Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, this is Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. I meant to do this episode last night after SmackDown. Um, then someone texted me and reminded me that AEW Dark was doing a special episode on YouTube at 10 o'clock. So, I turned that on and got to start an article for the website I write for and totally kind of forgot about this episode. Was here in the afternoon and was thinking need to make a list of everything I need to do before the GCW show starts. It's 8 o'clock on the West Coast and 11 o'clock on the East Coast. It's uh, No Sign in the Heels, I think is what the name of it is. But anyway, I was looking around the different piles of paper that I have on my table because I have five podcasts one of which I'm way too behind on and need to get on but some of these others are more fun I was going to give you a news and rumors episode supposed to do it yesterday so I was definitely going to do it today You may get it later, or you may get it tomorrow, I don't know. But as some of you wanted, who I need to just trash you, there were quite a few of you guys that wrote me, either on email or on private message on Twitter, and said, your Spotify green room concept Seems really cool. Why don't you do it tonight for SmackDown? Well, I happened to notice that all of you that wrote and said, Oh, why don't you do it tonight? Yeah, you didn't show up. I think that's a little raw. Um, come on. Not all of you have some excuse you couldn't be there. Give me a break. Anyway, we had fun. Uh, talking about the SmackDown show, but 
sometimes during the matches, we would stop and, and say, oh, that was a great move or whatever. But a lot of times in the matches, we talked about where we thought WWE Creative had dropped the ball on a certain storyline. And how some storylines that were getting revisited, we hope they're better than what they were the first time. Uh, one of the guys in the chat room, I don't want to name his name because I'm not sure that he's okay with it, but he came up with, he really wished to see Roman versus, Roman and Seth versus Edge and John Cena, like the week before SummerSlam. And I thought, and I told him, I said, I think that's an excellent idea if all four will put their very best into it and they will actually sit down and plan it out. And that it affects maybe both storylines during SummerSlam. And I know some of you are saying, but Sam, are you serious? That's not what you said when Bianca and Sasha took on Carmella and Bailey. Well, no. No, it wasn't. Because I believe at that time, in, well, no, I guess it wasn't. Cause I was going to say I believe it's that time in January. But I don't think Royal Rumble had happened yet. But, um... Sasha and Bianca did not work well together as a tag team. I I just felt like they couldn't get on the same page. And I felt like Carmella and Bailey do work well together. And I think a lot of that has to do with them being good friends outside of the ring. But they were so much better in NXT. Just I can guarantee you they walked in probably an hour, hour and a half before showtime and somebody from creative said, oh, by the way, you guys are a tag team tonight. And both of them probably looked at each other and was like, what? What the hell? And I'm sure Sasha and Bianca did the same thing. So, I hope if they would plan Seth and Roman versus, <coughs> excuse me, I had to sneeze, obviously, um, that they would have enough time to work out together, get it together, and make sure, for those of you didn't pay any attention or didn't read about it this morning. Uh, Keith Lee and Austin Theory were one dark match last night. Which kind of weird to me. Keith Lee's on Raw. Why is he coming over and doing a dark match? To get extra work in maybe? 
why isn't he doing that at the Performance Center and helping develop people? Anyway, uh, we have Dakota Kai also against Aaliyah. Well, I kind of thought that they were bringing Aaliyah up. And are they really looking at Dakota Kai to come up? I thought she was going to be the next champion and beat Gonzalez at TakeOver. Is she not? And then, of course, after all of the shows, we had the typical dark match that has been, I think, the last two shows, and it is the house show closer of John Cena and the Mysterios against Roman Reigns and the Usos. And from what I understand, I think Cena and the Mysterios have won every single time but one. In one of the house shows, they did not win. But every show that's on TV afterwards, they have won. And all of the house shows. But, like I said, one, I think, Cena and Mysterio have come up on top. But let's get to the topic that everybody was talking about in the room. Because I got a text about it. And so I told the people in the room. And so we started talking about it. And then... We, um, I was talking on Twitter some last night and on Reddit, and that's all anyone wanted to talk about. So, like I said, I thought that I had, was going to do this episode last night. I thought I did when I woke up this morning, and I hadn't, so doing it now, do... You realize that since April 15th of this year, 2021, WWE has released enough wrestlers to feel a battle or a Royal Rumble. Now just let that sink in. They have released enough wrestlers since April. And this is August. So basically in four months. To feel a Royal Rumble. And I know everybody wants to talk about the 12 that were released last night. During the show. So... WWE was kind of hoping people would be watching SmackDown, not get this news right away, possibly even get it today, and there wouldn't be that big of a fuss. But let's go back and kind of start from the beginning. Let's start from Black Thursday this year. April 15th of 2021 where they released nine wrestlers and pretty much 
set Twitter and the internet on fire. Um, they released Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas, who many thought had been released years ago. He had not been seen on TV, I think, in a year and a half. But he had been coming to every show, showing up. Anything they told him to be at, he was there. He was still getting paid. And I don't know whether somebody caught on to that or they just really, after a whole year and a half, figured out, yeah, we we haven't come up with anything for him. Nothing. Now, all of... And I call them this lovingly. All of the dirt sheets had come up with stuff. They had thought up all kinds of ideas. All the podcasts had thought up ideas. But WWE Creative could not think up ideas to get past Vince. Kalisto got released. Kalisto, who is one of Sasha Banks' best friends, who I did not think would be released and probably better than both members of the Lucha House Party when allowed can put together an excellent match and I know he's kind of biding his time and trying figure out where he wants to go. Tucker uh, got released. I don't think this should have been a surprise to anyone, including him. Since they had broken heavy machinery up and allowed Otis to basically just catch fire. And after he won the money in the bank, you know, uh, case the writing was on the wall I don't know why so many people were like I can't believe they did, they did that to Tucker they should have sent him back to NXT guys I know Triple H has brainwashed a lot of you to believe that NXT is the third brand it's not and I think Vince McMahon and Nick Khan are making that very, very clear to a lot of people, including wrestlers last night. You're not going to live down there. You're going to have to be a very special wrestler, a very special star, in order to live in NXT. NXT is a developmental brand. So why would you send Tucker down there who you've allowed to be on the main roster for a year or two and, you know, be there by Otis's side? It's ridiculous. 
So they let him go. Then we got, he was actually the last one that night to be um, told officially uh, on internet sites that he had been released. And that was Mojo Rawley. I, they say that one of the things they love about Nikki Almost Hero, Nikki Cross, is that they can market her to kids, that she can go to hospitals and see kids, that she can do Make-A-Wish, that they will draw kids in by using her. Why didn't you think of that with Mojo Raleigh? You could have done double entendres where the kids would have loved him with his Energizer Bunny personality. And the women would have loved him to be the charming guy that goes out and parties and the women want him. But again, WWE just couldn't get a handle on that. They stuck him with Zack Ryder, who is now Matt Cardona, and is doing the hottest angle of the entire summer, and I called that in May. Um, I mean, they just, I don't know. They did. They misuse Mojo Rawley. I am very happy that he is in GI Joe, and you know it's one of the going to be one of the star characters. Chelsea Green. I don't know how many of you watched Laurel Van Ness, hot mess. On Impact Wrestling. But Chelsea Green was actually really good there. They steal her, and in their words, away. And they stick her in NXT. And it's like they almost forgot about her. Now, I understand she got hurt. Okay. But, for them, when she would get cleared, not to do some super exciting angle with her in NXT, I never understood. And then, of course, she makes her debut on the main roster and breaks her wrist again. Now, they were great to her even after releasing her Allowing them to use their equipment. Allowing her to rehab. I mean, I think I think that's great. And we're going to talk about that a, a little bit with Mar, Mar, uh, Mercedes Martinez in a minute. But I think they did that in order for Chelsea Green not to sue them for releasing her when she's got an injury. Then, the one that 
I think, broke everyone's heart. Was they released the Iconics. Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Cassie and, and Jess. From off her chops. If you guys don't listen to that podcast, you've got to. It is hilarious. Um, a lot of rumors that they were going to show up at Impact Slammiversary. They didn't do it. Are they going to show up at Double or, or uh, All Out? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. But it did. It broke a lot of people's hearts because the Iconics really weren't given a chance. I mean, think about it. They were learning the WWE style, but they were also learning wrestling. They had really learned workout and eating right and all of that. They were pulled up to the main roster, but never really gave a chance. And you were, you're, you're like, I know there's some of you hollering, Sam, they were too. They had the tag team title belts. Yeah. But look at their overall career on the main roster. It is very, very hard to change people's opinions of you. When you come out acting basically like you're stupid. And when you are given two to five minutes to show what you can do. And you're taking on tag teams that are fan favorites or that are single stars that they've thrown together or they're people that are veterans and just better to you and they're saying you've got to shine me up in these two to five minutes and in wrestling terms of course that means you've got to make me look good you've got to let me get my my moves in you've got to do this you've got to do that well, when entrances come into play and then you've got three to five minutes to actually do a match and the whole entire time you're having to shine each person in the other tag team up, how much time does that leave you to show off your maneuvers, your tag team maneuvers? For you to get something special in that, that people remember. Um, I think a lot of people remembered Iconics. Then can name their finisher. And that's why. And when they won an elimination chamber and took the belts away from Bailey and Sasha the first time, I thought, oh, here it comes. They are going to be able to truly become a tag team. 
No, they were basically placeholders. They were made fun of. A lot of fans all over the internet were crushing them, saying they didn't deserve them, saying that they weren't good enough, on and on and on. And they didn't have the belts that long. I think, yes, WWE helped them to get over here from Australia. Yes, uh, Peyton Royce, as you guys know her, found the love of her life here. I just hope their second promotion does more for them, allows them to show how good they are, and takes care of them. And by that I mean teaches them new moves, teaches them wrestling ring psychology, and gives them enough time to show what they can do. The other one I think that people were shocked, and I do mean shocked, was Mickey James. Because it was only, I think maybe two months earlier, Mickey James had proven she still had a lot in her and was ready for a program. She was ready to start taking wrestlers completely on. She wanted another shot at the championship. And after she kind of made that known in real life that she wanted that, it's like they put her on ice. And then the NXT TakeOver stand and deliver before um, WrestleMania. Mickey James actually did the pre-show and the kickoff match for it with Wade Barrett and proved she was an excellent commentator for the simple fact she knew all the moves. She knew how they were thinking. And she could relay that in simple, easy terms. And I thought, my God, they've let her go when she is so smart. She is so talented. And I know at that time, she didn't want to be a trainer. And I don't blame her. Because she could still go. But I thought that WWE made a sad, sad mistake. And I don't blame her for wanting the championship when her husband has held the 10 pounds of gold for a thousand days. Yes, you heard that right. Nick Aldis has been the champion a thousand days.
Um, luckily, she is working with both NWA to create a cross-promotional all-women's pay-per-view. And they're allowing her to produce it. And then she will wrestle at NWA 73 the next day. She's been on Impact Wrestling. She's made statements there and gotten Kim back involved. I think it's excellent. The one that shocked everybody, which I wasn't 100% sure why, was Samoa Joe. And then everybody started making these dream matches. If he went here, here could be the dream matches. If he went there, here could be the dream matches. My comment was, is he cleared? Joe hadn't wrestled in about a year, year and a half because he had been uh, filming a commercial where he went through a table got a concussion, and had not been able to pass baseline testing to get cleared. He had spoken on this. WWE had spoken on it. You know, it was widely known. So for them to release him, I could understand why. Why would you continue to pay his high contract when he may never wrestle again. Now, he was an excellent commentator. They had him commentating the week before on WrestleMania 37. How do you do that, somebody? Billy Kay wrestled in WrestleMania 37. And then the next week, you fire him? Unbelievable. But then May came. And we got six more. And I am just going to be extremely honest here. I have no disagreements with any of these six. Matter of fact, I thought some of them had already been fired. Uh, Kavita... Davi? I don't even know who that is. Now, granted, I'm not glued to NXT since, what was it, 2012 or something like that when they created it? No, I haven't been glued to it since then. I have no clue who she is. And I'm not lying. If I don't know who you are and you've been there a while... You can be released. Jessamine Duke. I thought she had already been released and that they had rehired her as a graphic designer and that she was part of Up, Up, Down, Down. She, I've seen her several times. She wasn't great. In UFC. 
She was better known as the sidekick of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. She was the worst of the UFC four horsewomen. And when you saw her wrestle matches, she was not confident. She was not strong. And in the time that she was in NXT, wasn't getting any stronger. Now, when they put her on Raw Underground, and they allowed her to do MMA shoot moves, she was somewhat impressive. And people were saying, I don't understand why she's not getting a chance. Because she can't do those moves in wrestling. Um, that's That's one of the main things. She could not make an MMA move slow down or not hit them as hard or to stop a half inch from them, make it look like she was hitting them but wasn't doing it full force, she never could obtain that. You had uh, Ezra Judge, and I'm going to be honest again, I never saw him where I didn't know who he was. Now, since being released, I'm kind of following him a little on the independent circuit, and we're going to see what he can do. Skylar Story, again, another one. Had no clue. None. Vanessa Bourne. You want to know how I knew who Vanessa Bourne was? told you guys before, I play the WWE Tops game. And she is one of the jobber cards that I kept getting over and over. One time I looked up and I was like, I don't even know who she is and I have 35 green cards of her. Why? They wouldn't put her in special packs of cards, but would put her in the packs of the bases. And, ugh, I hated getting her. Mainly because I just never saw her and didn't know what in the world she was doing. I guess the key to this let go, though, was... The fact that Imperium turned on Alexander Wolf, and the very next week he was let go. And again, I don't know that I can blame WWE. Imperium and Walter did not want to come to the United States. Now. Marcel started saying we're going to have to go over there if we're going to make names for ourselves. You know, we already have names in Europe because of the careers we've had.
But if we never go to the United States, we never get on TV and shown all around the world, then we're, it's not, it's like we're not, not going to make it. Alexander Wolf never really appeared to be a part of Imperium's tag team. He was kind of the leader or whatever. Well, that's all fine and good because you had the shield kind of set up that way. The problem is Alexander Wolf never went for a singles belt and won it. And the more and more that he was worked with, the more and more it was shown that he wasn't up to the par of the other Imperium tag teams for the simple fact of his charisma, his look, how he acted. And I'm sure a lot of that was NXT creative. But it gave off a bad vibe. And him, I don't think that he was ever really happy with NXT. I think Imperium and Alexander Wolf seriously thought that they would be in NXT six months max and they would be on the main roster. And it hasn't turned out that way. So, like I said, out of those six, maybe Alexander Wolf shocked me some. The rest of them, I really didn't know who they were. And I didn't care. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to write me and say, oh, they're great people. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not even saying they're not great wrestlers. In a three weeks, I think, they may sign with other promotions or hit the indies, and you may hear me in a month telling you how awesome they are and how WWE should have saw this and and kept them. But I'm telling you right now as I'm sitting here, I don't know who they are. And if I don't know who they are, and they've been on your roster for a while. They've had time to show their talent, time to get on TV, time to win a belt, or time to move up to the main roster, and they haven't did it, let them go. So, all six in May, I totally agree with. June came. And they released seven. They said a lot of these were budget cuts. Um, I don't know that you can say Tony Nice was a budget cut. I can, however, say he was a 205 guy. Vince does not care about 205. I am not really sure why they even still have it. He showed up some on NXT. 
he was absolutely boring. Now, I'm going to be talking about Jake Atlas later. I couldn't really ever get a handle on either one of them. And I kept messing them up. I would be sitting with my friends and I'd be like, who is that? Is that Tony Neese? Is that Jake Atlas? And finally, one of my friends said, does it matter? They're going against Swerve Scott. Or they're going against uh, whoever. Uh, Escobar. They're going to lose. So why do you care? And I got to the point where I I would see them and who they were up against. And I would be like, uh, they're a jobber. And this is going to be over. I'm going to go in the kitchen and get something to drink. Because I didn't feel like there was anything special. Now, do they have something special inside of them? Do they have the passion, the desire, and determination? They may, and I hope they do. I hope they show it on the indies or in another promotion. But I didn't see it while they were with WWE. Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Love both of them. Tyler Breeze is an excellent person. Uh, He will definitely become on some promotion an excellent producer, agent, trainer, whatever you want to call him. But the guy's too young to do that now. Um, I believe Tyler Breeze is part owner of Flatbikes with Sean Spears. Don't hold me to that. But I'm he he is part of a wrestling company where he, he's in a partnership. I, I think it is with Sean Spears. Don't hold me to that, though. He is very talented. And from what I understand in the beginning of NXT, he tried a different gimmicks. He then hit upon Prince P- Pretty. They gave it about a month. Maybe it, that's what it seemed like to me on the main roster. They kicked him back down to NXT. And I heard rumors that they were just going to use him as a trainer. That he was going to take on newer or in, more inexperienced talent, even on TV, in order to work with them to get them better, to get them ready. And that he was loved in NXT so he could put butts in seats. Well, that didn't happen immediately because somebody, and I think it was them, pitched a duo of Fandango and Tyler Breeze. This made sense. On paper. Fandango could not dance forever. Matter of fact. His act was getting old. And they started cutting it. 
off or talking over it or flashing to different angles or different scenes. I think because Kevin Dunn was getting tired of it. I was tired with Tyler Breeze's gimmick in NXT before he moved to the main roster and thought, surely, when he goes to the main roster, they will change that. Here's the thing. Zack Ryder in 2011, 2012 came out with a flip phone to film everyone for his YouTube show. <coughs> Tyler Breeze was doing the same thing, but a little opposite, as far as he was filming himself. The gimmick was over. And I don't mean over as in good. I mean over as in stop it. His boots and his vest, again, over. No one you saw in the audience was dressing like him. No one wanted to be him. They didn't go home at night and imagine themselves being him. Now, maybe several went home at night and imagined themselves being with him, but not being him. So, when they got together, they definitely needed to change their gimmicks. It was almost like they were refusing for a while. You know, Tyler Breeze was still carrying the flip phone. Fandango's still dancing. And they're dressing up as different things. And then they hit upon the fashion police. Which was all well and good. And funny. But when they got in the ring to wrestle. No one cared. You could see crowds actually getting up. To go get something to drink. Go to the bathroom. Go talk to somebody. They weren't interested in them wrestling. They dropped them back down to NXT. And like I said. I thought that meant. They were going to come up with a new gimmick. It was going to be tried out. No. They were coming out as astronauts. And uh, police officers. And firemen. No. <clears throat> they needed a new gimmick. They they had been there too long. Were they making a tremendous amount of money that was going to make a big difference in the budget? No. But in management's eyes, we can use half of both of their salaries and hire two people in their spots that may eventually make it and these guys have been here for 8-10 years and they're not doing it so yes 
they should have been let go and allowed to go somewhere else to use their talents because guys both of them are talented Lana I thought this one was kind of amusing to me because I'm reading for the month up until she was released by crazy fans saying that Lana and Naomi are going to win the tag team title belts. And I was thinking, what? What planet are you from? Yes, she's getting better. Yes, she's been working out with Natty. Yes, her moves are wider as far as she knows more. But the moves that she knew from before need crisper to be crisper and cleaned up. <clears throat> as a character, she was fine. But I can tell you what, there was no way in hell Naomi or Lana were going to get anywhere close to those tag team title belts. Then they were talking about having a draft. Then they were talking about going back on the road. And the writing was on the wall. Naomi was going to have to move to SmackDown. That's all there is to it. The bloodline was over there and People are popping for them like crazy. They've got heat. And Naomi is moving. Then it came down to, do we want to move Lana? And if Naomi becomes part of the Bloodline storyline, what do you do with Lana? She didn't have a place. And I'm like, some, I don't understand why she wasn't let go when Miro was. It seems stupid to pay her the amount of money that they were paying her, not to release her then. But, you know, they gave her another shot, and it just didn't work. And Naomi and her may be excellent friends. I have no idea. But in the ring, their styles don't match at all. And they were clunky and you didn't understand why they were tag team partners. Then you have what I kind of call the big three of June. And I'm trying to think if I was upset. I think the one that I was most upset about was probably Ruby Riot. I think. And I think it was because... She had went through double shoulder surgery. 
everyone that has ever mentioned her talked about how determined she was to get back. And how hard she worked. And also how inexperienced that Liv Morgan was, but how Ruby Riot took her under her wing and agreed to be her tag team partner, even though she had no desire to be in a tag team, but then kind of fell in love with tag team wrestling because of Liv. And they were getting better. I don't know if she's one of them that asked for her release. She may have been. If she is, I don't blame her. Because they never gave her enough time to shine. And in vignettes, she was usually placed with three or four other people and never got to shine was never given a chance in Royal Rumble or Money in the Bank or anything like that I hope that she goes out and goes to AEW as Ruby Soho and lights the world on fire and I think that she has the possibility of doing it And AEW will give her the guidance, but also the creative freedom to do it. Because they have showed you they will definitely do that by what they did with Aleister Black. Letting him become Malachi Black, he kept the eye injury that Seth Rollins gave to him and by taking on Iron Anderson as he debuts and calls out Cody and the match that they just had earlier this week yeah he's showing who he is and how he can be he is extremely creative And I know a lot of fans haven't put two and two together. But I'm telling you, you can write it down, put it in an envelope, and write two years on the outside of it from today. So it would be uh, August the 7th, 2023. And when you open that envelope, have a piece of paper in there that says Sam from Pro Wrestling Overtime says that sometime within the last two years you have saw Malachi Black and Darby Allen come together. Now, will they be a tag team? Uh, probably not. Will they work some tag team matches? Yes. But by coming together, I mean... They are both creative 
as all get out. Darby is into filmmaking. While Malachi Black is into angles, storylines, deep storylines, long-term storylines. That's what I mean. Will those two hook up and create, write, and film a cinematic match for someone in AEW? Yes. It's handwriting on the wall that they are bound to come together. But people can't see that based on the characters on TV because Malachi Black has shown up to be evil whereas Darby Allen's a babyface. And they don't see how they can work. Guys, think of the people. Think of those two as people. Think of their creative natures and their storytelling abilities. And you can see it. You can see it really well. I'm glad he escaped from WWE. I was actually shocked when he went to WWE. He was doing so well in the indies and would have had a lot of contracts. Granted, they wouldn't have been probably for the money that WWE wanted to pay, but when his wife left, was fired, quit, resigned, whatever, I really think he should have asked for his release then and called it good. WWE has the production power to make what he has in his head happen and make it look unbelievable. But that's not worth the other things that you have to go through when they come up with their own creative or when they don't want to use you or your character's too out there that they can't even think of that way. And then the one that shocked everyone, but shouldn't have, was Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, I don't want to upset him. I don't want to upset his friends. Braun Strowman's pretty much been a joke from the get-go. He never wrestled on the indies. He never wrestled for another promotion. WWE brought him in and taught him how to wrestle. Let me give you a hint. Another person they've done that with is Roman Reigns. You guys know I get irritated because Roman Reigns has three moves. He has the spear, he has the guillotine, and he has that stupid Superman punch. Think about Braun Strowman. His finisher was a running power slam. He's too big, too athletic, too charismatic for that to be his finishing maneuver. 
People always want to tell me how great NXT is at turning out stars. And maybe they are with stars that already know a lot. And they can tweak little stuff or teach little things and get them to be better. Such as promos. But I don't know based on people that legitimately have never wrestled before. Ever. And they have to teach them. Roman Reigns is a good wrestling character. Is he a good wrestler? No. People are saying he's one of the best. No. He can't do what Chad Gable does. Cesaro does. Kurt Angle. He was an Olympic champion for God's sakes. Roman is not better than them. He's not better than Lance Storm and Ricky Steamboat. And, you know, people that are actually good wrestlers today... Neither was Braun Strowman. And the biggest gripe I hear about Bianca Belair is the fact that she can't wrestle. She can't carry a match on her own. She can't make the other person who is a step below her look better. The second one is her storylines have sucked since she's gotten to the main roster. I felt like she never made it big and was truly exciting enough in NXT for her to move up to the main roster. And I, for one, have been tired of her since WrestleMania. Finally, some people are saying they want the belt off of her at SummerSlam. They want it back on Sasha Banks. Let me give you a hint. Sasha Banks is supposed to be an evil heel. And that's, she plays it very well. She makes it look authentic. She is so sweet in person as far as her love of animals, her love of kids that have disabilities and things like that, that it's unreal. But then she turns it on at work and it is a calculating evil hill. And some of her comments are witty, snappy, sarcastic comebacks. Everyone should hate her as bad as they hate Charlotte. But it's the confidence, the cockiness, the I am the boss and I can back it up attitude that people accept. And the ones that even don't like it feel like she's a better champion, feel like she will entertain them more than Bianca will. And that's sad.
But think about it. It was the same thing with Moran. He was over when he was the monster get these hands. And he said very, very little. And Bray Wyatt spoke for him. When he started cutting his own promos, they were making him memorize them, and they were a joke. If you've ever spoken to Braun, or you've ever heard him on a podcast, or anybody who's interviewed him tells you, Braun is very intelligent. But he has been put in some of the worst battles and angles and storylines ever. Um, Him winning the belt from Goldberg in WrestleMania 36 and proceeding to do a program for about two months with Miz and John Morrison and doing handicap matches and them playing practical jokes on him was completely terrible. Just, they threw away his talent. The problem is, he thinks he's a bigger deal than what he actually is. He needs to be humbled, go somewhere that will actually teach him about wrestling, about respect, in and the ring and out of the ring in the locker room how you treat veterans how you talk to veterans how you learn from veterans how you go to the main stars and you ask hey do you have time tomorrow for an hour to get in the ring with me and show me anything he needs to be humbled and he can't do that making a million dollars a year. So he better be willing to take a pay cut. And as of right now, he's not. And you'll notice he's not hired. Then, you know, in the beginning of August, which was, it was last week, um, You had two that no one understood leave. Ric Flair asked for his release. I don't blame him. He wasn't being used. He wasn't... A lot of times they weren't even letting him come down to Florida... And they haven't really wanted him on the road. To Ric Flair, number one, it seems like they're wasting him. And he wants to work. If somebody would let him get in the ring right now and take on somebody, he would do it. People need to stop him from doing that. But he would do it. He loves wrestling. He loves the attention. He loves the fans. And they weren't giving that to him. 
So what's the point in him being there? Some would say to help the current talent out. And I think he would. But if you've ever heard Ric Flair talk, you'll learn a lesson. You may have to go on two or three tangents. But when he's done, you've learned your lesson that you were supposed to. And sometimes you even learned a lesson when you went on the tangents. But WWE wasn't willing to pay that. So I don't blame him for asking to be released. I really truly do hope he goes to AEW and he is either the manager of CM Punk or of Brian Danielson. I think that would be absolutely awesome. Or he becomes a manager of some of the women's talent. I would love nothing more than him to become the manager of, uh, see, Britt Baker really doesn't need one, but I would love that. Um, Jade Cargill doesn't really need one, but I would also love that. Uh, because I can see him standing with both of those women and saying they're the best women's wrestler in the world, including Charlotte Flair. And you talk about setting the internet on fire. And he may not believe that deep down, but he would say it and it would set the internet on fire. The other one at the same time that ended up leaving was Bray Wyatt. Now, there are a lot of stories out there about Bray. Um, I think people are truly discounting his match. Uh, let's see if I have a memory. December 20th? 22nd. I think it's the 20th, though. Um, TLC, Randy Orton, burns him to a crisp. Twelve days later, one of his best friends dies. And he had no clue. Because Brody Lee's, uh, the Uber family, only told a handful of people because that's what he truly wanted. He didn't want a bunch of people visiting him in the hospital and looking at him with that look. And he didn't want to listen to a lot of, I'm sorry, what can I do? So they only told a handful of people. So it caught most of the wrestling world unaware shock right after Christmas before New Year's and just unbelievable sadness of so many in the wrestling world that he had touched 
throughout his career in some way, shape, or form. Bray Wyatt struggled. He was supposed to come back, I believe, in January, early February, and he came in, and they realized he can't work right now. He just can't. So they put put him off. And that's where the concussion rumors started. That he had a concussion and couldn't get cleared. Is that true? I don't know. I've not talked to Bray Wyatt. I've not talked to anybody close to him. I have not uh, heard him speak. So he very well may have gotten a concussion. At that time, I watched the TLC match back. Unless I totally missed it, or Peacock cut it parts, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, I don't see where he could have gotten a concussion. Randy Orton is usually fairly safe. And um, I just don't see it. But then they thought, you know, he's going to come back. It is my understanding in March, he told them no. Again, they put out he wasn't cleared. It was unknown about WrestleMania, but I was told that he was told If you don't show up for Wrestlemania, we are releasing you. You will have no insurance, no money, nothing. You are out of here. With JoJo and him just having a new baby, I understand the pressure he was under. But I also understand... As you saw at WrestleMania 37, it was his first time back since Brody Lee had died. He did a tribute to him in his outfit, and he did a tribute to him with his move. I think by doing that, I think he had to do it for himself. But I think by him doing that set him back. I think he snapped. And I think that he was extremely honest with his up-and-down relationship with Vince McMahon, and told him, I can't go on right now. And they respected that. But like I said, JoJo got released. And I'm sure that sent his world spinning. 
And he started meeting with WWE Creative. And the stuff that they wanted him to do, he was like, that doesn't even make any sense. That's not something Bray Wyatt would do. He would go after Alexa Bliss for what she did at WrestleMania. He may even go after Randy Orton. But here's the thing. He wouldn't do it in that way. And he wouldn't come back and just all of a sudden start up with someone else. He wouldn't have memory fog or whatever. So they disagreed a lot on him creatively. They wanted him to come back for SummerSlam. And they weren't agreeing on anything. I truly believe Vince made one of his snap impulsive decisions and said, You're fired. And Bray was like, Okay. And I'm sure it killed him. I'm sure it hurt him in April. When his brother was let go. Um, I hate it for him. To be going through grief. Going through you know struggle. If you add the concussion on part of it. Um, he was just going through it. And. I. Can almost bet. That they tried to put a non-compete clause on him. If they succeeded, we won't see him till November. If they didn't, and they let him have a release free and clear, hard to tell where he'll show up. And when? Do I want to see him go to AEW? No. I really don't. I don't know that he fits there. And I know some of you are saying, Sam, how can you say that? They've got Darby Allen. They now have Aleister Black. Uh, before that, they had the Lucha Bros and uh, LAX. And what are you talking about? I just don't think he fits their system. And I don't think they'll put up with him. I think he would be better off creating his own faction in Impact or joining Decay. With the way Ring of Honor has switched up, I don't know that he can create the type of faction he has in his head. They do have Victor and they do have uh, Don Hudson. But I think Bray's more out there than that. They may let him do it in MLW. I think his best destinations would be MLW or... Impact Wrestling. 
if he goes to AEW, I hope he shocks me. And I hope he becomes the best that he can be. And then we get to last night's. Last night's remind me of May's. Everybody was like, 12 people. Well, that's not the text I got. The text I got is uh, Bronson Reed, Bobby Fish, and Mercedes Martinez were let go. It wasn't 12, you know? It was those three names. And when I got out of the Spotify green room from talking to people at during SmackDown. Then I started seeing on Twitter that it was 12 people. And I started trying to find out names. Well, when I went through and saw um, Stephen Smith, Giant, Zazir, Asher Hale, Zachariah Smith, Kona Reeves, Ari Sterling, I was like, who the hell are these people? Yes, I know Kona Reeves. You know how? From the WWE Tops card game. But anyway, um, none of these guys ever impressed me. And some of them, I've never seen or heard of. Never. Because guess what? I don't watch 205 Live. I think it's stupid. I thought it was stupid when TJP was there. Then, I've already talked about Jake Atlas. He was vanilla and he was boring. Leon Ruff. He caught lightning in the bottle and was in one storyline. Before that, he was in zero. And after that, he was basically in zero. He caught lightning in the bottle, got the championship, and God knows why they gave it to him. But... He's not ready to be a real wrestler. Since they released him. Guys, you're going to see him on the indies. And he's going to have to make a decision to gain some weight. And to put some muscle on. And if he doesn't make that decision. He won't stay on the indies. He could go be a jobber on AEW Dark or AEW Elevation. But he's only going to get paid appearance fees. And that's not a lot. And I can't even see him going anywhere else. Because they don't need squash jobbers anymore. And that's exactly what he looks like. And that he should be. You've got Tyler Rust. They. WWE. Honestly fought a battle for him. Impact Wrestling really wanted him. And WWE was bound and determined. They were going to get him. They put him on TV with Malcolm Bivens. Are you serious? 
Those two didn't click. They did not seem like they needed to be together. He disappears and comes back, what, a month ago? With the diamond mine. With Malcolm Evans again. And Roderick Strong. He hasn't changed his body. He hasn't changed his weight. He hasn't changed his moveset. He hasn't changed nothing. Other than he's wearing a track jacket to the ring. He just wrestled two days before. Vince must have caught that match and said, yeah, that guy's got to be going. I could have told them six months ago. He doesn't fit NXT, and he definitely doesn't fit the Diamond Mind persona that Roderick Strong puts off, and he doesn't fit anywhere in, you know, the main roster. Let him go. Let him learn and let someone else flat out tell him, you've got to get stronger, your moveset's got to get better and crisper, or you're never going to make it. And I think this was probably the eye-opening experience he needed. Bobby Fish is 44 years old. He was part of Undisputed and was probably the least known of the Undisputed era. He had the misfortune of not being involved in the Undisputed breakup because he was hurt. And when he come back, again, he wrestled on Wednesday night, got fired on Friday. He, without the Undisputed Error, giving him an identity, giving him a personality, plus giving him people that can cut promos and that he can lean on, he, again, is not something that fits into... NXT or the main roster and I don't care how good of a wrestler he is you cannot automatically take and I'm not saying he was but an Olympic wrestler and say this is our next wrestler of the year no because there's more to professional wrestling than actual getting in the ring and wrestling it's relating to the crowd. It's cutting promos. It's doing vignettes. It's visiting people in the hospital. It's standing outside and, and signing autographs. Your merch. All of that. It's about being authentic and having your personality be able to come out. Or creating an alter, alter ego that you somewhat like and that you can at least stand. Bobby Fish never did any of those. So, bye. Mercedes Martinez was the one I was shocked about. Why do you bring in a veteran wrestler that's been there before, 
knows the score, knows how, knows how things work. Mess around with her. Finally get her in a program with Tony Storm that I'm not sure was ever really finished. Throw her into the middle of the Xyli saga thing because Tegan Knox and Caden Carter get hurt. You put her in with a very inexperienced wrestler. Although very athletic, very talented, she's a circus performer, I believe. And being taught how to wrestle by WWE. I talked to you earlier about how much success they have. So she knows how to throw kicks. Very quickly. She also knows how to do some basic maneuvers. Although not safely. And she gave Mercedes Martinez a concussion. Mercedes has not been able to pass the baseline test in order to be cleared. Yet they fired her. She's now no longer getting paid. And no wrestling promotion can sign her because she's not cleared. How is she going to make money? Is WWE going to give her severance pay or continue paying her? Because, God, I hope so. This was one of the saddest things I heard about last night. Bronson Reed, <clears throat> in my opinion, never hit the right buttons with me. I thought he was a fat slob that could do a little bit of athleticism. The tsunami that Wade Barrett keeps yelling about is him jumping off of a rope and basically doing a belly buster that you would do in a pool in a ring on top of a guy. Now, granted, when he spreads his arms out and looks like he has jumped out of a plane, it does look cool. And the thought of three, I think he's 320 pounds, landing on you probably doesn't feel good. I don't know that that's a finishing maneuver. I don't know... I, it would finish Leon Ruff. But you know what? I don't know that it finishes carrying Cross. I don't know with their fighting spirit that it would finish Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, or Finn Balor. They never truly worked with Bronson Reed on his moveset. Everybody wants to talk about how athletic he is. Great. Show me. Prove to me he is athletic. 
Athletic is not doing a cartwheel in the ring or a flippity flop. It's more than that. He's 32 years old, which is a little old to be having to relearn the basics correctly, safely, and then add on advanced moves that would make you a star. He came to NXT in 2019. It took him till 2021 to win a championship, and he won the North American title earlier this year. And I thought that that was too soon. I didn't think he should have won that match. The storyline didn't make it where he needed to. He had been floundering. And I truly believe that they called him up and had him do dark matches at first with Karen Cross, but with superstars that were already on the main roster. Not to see about pulling him up. Which is what everyone assumes that they're doing when they pull people up to do dark matches. Especially ones against main roster talent. I don't think they are with all of them. I think they're pulling some of them up to see if they should even keep their jobs. And I think that is why I mentioned the two dark matches in the very beginning of this episode, whether you remember them or not. I think they have a problem with Keith Lee. And at this point in juncture, I think Keith Lee may have a problem with them. And I think by him leaving Raw, going to SmackDown to do a dark match against Austin Theory, who they already know is eventually going to be pulled up and is probably going to be one of their next superstars if he can keep his nose clean. It wasn't about Austin Theory. They're trying to decide whether Austin Theory is mature enough to be pulled to the main roster and to be in charge of his own travel at 22 years old. Keith Lee, they're looking for other things. He just does not have it, though. I never felt he had it in NXT. Everybody talked about his charisma. Well, I haven't seen any of it on the main roster. None. I don't know that medically he should be back. No, he wants to be. Don't be shocked if before November, Keith Lee is part of the next set that gets to be released. 
Same thing with the other dark match. Dakota Kai versus Aaliyah. I said it surprised me because it looked like the storyline they were telling was Dakota Kai would win the championship from Raquel Gonzalez. And that was my first thought last night. Thinking about it today, I think Aaliyah's in trouble. I think she's been there about six years. Seven years. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, she was in one of the documentaries that um, WWE did as Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky were being pulled up. Because in that documentary, I somewhat remember Sasha being pulled back down in order to do the Brooklyn match with Bailey, And then is pulled back one more time for them to have the rematch. But in that documentary, you see Aaliyah. Tell me what she's done. She may have just started. I don't know. But what that means. What that tells me. She's at least. Been in NXT. As long. As Charlotte Becky. And Sasha. Have been on the main roster. Now you tell me what they've done. Because I'm sure you can rattle it off. Or at least guess. Tell me again what Aaliyah's done. And here's the kicker. Here's how Vince thinks. In that documentary. Bailey becomes the NXT champion. She was still in NXT. She stayed in NXT six, eight, nine months after Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha got pulled up because they needed a leader in the locker room and they wanted Bailey to get comfortable with that role. Which means. She's been on the main roster shorter time than Aaliyah's been in NXT. So let's play the Vince game. Again, what has Aaliyah done? What has Bailey done since she got to the main roster? We won't even talk about what she did in those six, eight, nine months when the other three horsewomen moved up because she was the NXT champion, the leader. She was doing some production work. She was learning the backstage side of wrestling. She was learning about stories and how to tell them. 
in and out of the ring. She was working on her promos and her publicity ability. But you think of all the different stories that she's been in on the main roster. All the championships she's won. She's a Grand Slam champion. In the five, six years she's been on the main roster. That whole entire time, Aaliyah has been in NXT. What has she done? Do you even really know her and her character? They've stuck her with Robert Stone. Who cares? I don't think her dark match last night before SmackDown was about calling her up. I think it was about, do we need to let her go? And sometimes I wonder the same thing about Dakota Kai. When they released the ones in May, I thought maybe Dakota Kai would have went then. May, June, July have been fairly strong for her. And I think that's what has kept her into play. But I don't know how her dark match went last night with Aaliyah. And I'm sure there has been a decision we need to watch her one or two more times. We need to do another evaluation of her on NXTV and a week in NXT. Don't be surprised if Aaliyah's gone after SummerSlam. If she is not given some kind of big match or big program during TakeOver 36, it's because she's going to be let go afterwards. You don't have to write that one down and put it in an envelope. It's uh, not going to take two years. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this. I know it's been long. I hope you've learned some things that maybe you didn't know. If you have an opinion on this, or if you have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, I said at the beginning of the show, write me. Let me know why. Let's discuss it. The next time I send out an alert and say we're going to be in the Spotify green rooms, come on in. Let's talk about it. Because I think what a lot of people were shocked about last night was they weren't typing. They thought it was a chat room. I talked to one guy afterwards that didn't come in because he said, I don't type that well. And I said, okay, what's that got to do? And he said, what do you mean? I said, you're not typing. You're talking. I find it hard to believe that he has problems typing since he's on Twitter constantly. But, um, guys, 
in the Spotify green rooms. I thought I made it perfectly clear. You're coming in to discuss things by talking. It's audio only, and it's not audio me only. You actually, on the bottom, can request to speak. I hit OK, and you come up and say whatever you want. And you say, Sam, you're wrong about Aaliyah. Aaliyah is going to be the best wrestler in WWE in the next six months. And we'll have a discussion. If you want to sit in there and listen, find out what we're talking about. Guys, if you come in only for two minutes and are like, uh, I'm not interested in what they're talking about. And jump out. Yeah, you're not experiencing the pro wrestling over time green room. Because we sometimes talk about a subject five, ten minutes. Most of the time, we don't even make it that long. In an hour chat, we'll talk probably. 10 to 15 different topics, both old and new. So I guarantee you give us half an hour, you give us an hour, we'll talk about something you're interested in and probably something that you want to raise your hand and you want to talk about. Anyway, hopefully I get to talk to some of you sometime soon. And guys, I will definitely See you somewhere down the road. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. This is Doug Maurice from the College Football Survivor Show. And if you care about the college football playoff, this is the podcast for you. My co-host Shahan Jeharaja and I have been debating the college football playoff since August. And now we're in the heart of the rankings debate. Every week we welcome teams into our playoff discussion. We kick teams out of our playoff discussion. And we debate the best teams within context of each other. Where's the committee getting it right and getting it wrong? No one knows the playoff like us. Join us on the College Football Survivor Show.